The Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by Nikola Mikovic, who is a freelance journalist in Serbia covering Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, and political developments in the Balkans. We'll be talking about Belarus, its balancing act between the US, EU, and Russia, President Lukashenko, and the coming uh, elections this weekend, and the allegations of destabilization and interference in Belarus. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Nikola. Thank you for having me. Now, Belarus is known as the last dictatorship in Europe. Uh, it has been holding an interesting position and balancing act between the East and West for a long time. And perhaps now it's coming closer to having to make a decision between you know, the West, the European Union or the Eurasian Union. Lukashenko has seemingly been going along with the Russian uh, Union state uh, integration and the Eurasian project, but then has made 180 degree turns uh, at times. You say a Belarusian U-turn toward the West is unlikely as it is too dependent on Moscow. How do you see things? Has it come time for Belarus to pick a side or can it continue to walk uh, the high wire? Shenko will certainly try to continue balancing between Russia and the West, but I don't think it is possible in the long term. The problem is that uh, Moscow is not willing to keep subsidizing Belarusian Soviet-style economy anymore and Belarusian economy heavily depends on Russian loans and their Russian cheap energy. Since the Kremlin now wants to basically integrate Belarus into the union state of Russia and Belarus, which is something that Lukashenko firmly opposes, the situation is going to be a bit difficult for President Lukashenko. On the other hand, um, he's certainly not welcome in, in the West because, as you said, uh, Belarus is known as the last European dictatorship which is actually not the case. Uh, he's been in power for 26 years, and we have a guy called Milo Djukanovic in Montenegro, and he's been in power for 30 years. Um, but nobody in the West calls Montenegro the last um, European dictatorship, but that's that's a completely different story. Uh, anyway, I don't think it is possible to keep balancing between uh, Russia and the US and the West uh, in the long term such a policy is not sustainable anymore. So Lukashenko will definitely have to make some concessions either to uh, the US or to Russia. I think he will eventually choose Russia because he's quite aware that uh, he's simply not welcome in the West. And I think there's a lot to the geographical uh, aspect. And I, I, again, this, this regional uh, blocks that are forming of EU uh, in North America, South America, uh, Eurasia, uh, and beyond. And it just seems like there's the history and, and the, there's too much tied into of Belarus tied into uh, Russia. Um, as you said, Lukashenko has been in power for 26 years. I believe that's six terms. The elections this weekend uh, are the first time the polls do not unequivocally support Lukashenko. It seems some people have had uh, enough. Indeed, I have seen the same thing in Kazakhstan, where I live and work as President Nazarbayev uh, saw the writing on the wall and preemptively decided to step down. Uh, but you say that Lukashenko will win a Pyrrhic victory, but that chaos uh, may ensue. What does the future hold for Lukashenko? So whatever happens on Sunday, the opposition will not recognize the results unless they win, which I don't think will be the case because Lukashenko firmly controls the election process and the election commission. So already on Sunday evening or maybe on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Belarusian opposition will start mass protests in Minsk and in other major cities. And then Lukashenko will have to react um, and it will be a test for, for his 
uh, security apparatus, um, if, if they're still loyal to him. I think they are because his son, Victor, is still in charge. Um, he apparently controls uh, National Security Council. Uh, on the other hand, um, it will be a test for the opposition. Um, they will have to, to prove if they have um, the critical mass to start some riots. We will see. It will be a very interesting period. Um, and uh, you mentioned Kazakhstan. Well, yes, Lukashenko apparently wanted to implement a similar model to try to find a successor and to change the constitution. Now, um, I think the coronavirus and everything that happened um, had to, uh, due, due to, to all that, he had to uh, postpone uh, the constitutional change. Um, if he wins the election and if he stays in power after the election, he will probably change the constitution and prepare the ground for his successor um, and um, eventually apply uh, Kazakhstan's model in, in Belarus. Uh, I don't think he will stay in power like Putin basically until the end of his life. His health condition does not seem to be that good, actually. He said he had a coronavirus. Observers they say that he also has an issue with uh, blood pressure. His health is not that good, but still he can, he can stay in power for, for the next five years. Um, and that, I think that will be his last term, no matter what happens. You mentioned the uh, coronavirus and I mean, you, you feel free to disagree with me. You may disagree with me, but I must say that one thing I really liked uh, that Lukashenko uh, did was not lock down a Belarus. And he reportedly admitted that the IMF and the World Bank were essentially bribing him with loans in order to force him to impose the same curfews, quarantines and lockdowns that we're witnessing in practically every nation around the world. What are your thoughts on um, this alternative approach that Lukashenko took? Are there any, is there anything behind the scenes uh, re related to that? So Belarus and Sweden were the only two countries in Europe that did not have a lockdown. Uh, Belarus did not implement any restrictions, basically. Uh, so it's whether that decision was good or not, it, it was um, just a demonstration of his of, of sovereignty that, that Belarus has. So he can make decisions, unlike other European leaders who simply have to follow the instructions they get from uh, the World Health Organization or whatever. And uh, Lukashenko, he chose that path. Whether that's good or not, it's it's completely a different question. But now he is he was ridiculed and criticized by both Russia and the West for not um, not having a lockdown in Belarus. Many people were not uh, satisfied. But on the other hand, let, let's let's imagine he he actually locked down the country and implemented all those um, curfews and everything. Then they would they would call him again the last Euro European dictator. So w whatever he does. There, there will be some consequences. The coronavirus situation had a strong uh, impact on Belarusian economy, also on Russian economy as well. So that's one of the reasons why Russia is not willing to keep providing cheap loans and cheap energy to Belarus. Um, and Lukashenko is quite aware of that. And now he's trying to find a solution. He's trying to start importing oil and gas from other countries such as Saudi Arabia, the United States, Norway, and so on. But recently, Belarus and Russia, they signed an agreement on oil supplies, uh, which means that Belarus, I think, will stay in Russia's geopolitical orbit. And also, Russia is building a nuclear power plant, it is providing loans uh, and technology uh, for, for that power plant in Belarus, 
which means that the country will definitely stay dependent on Russia, at least when it comes to energy. Yeah, that, I mean, that was another question I had in, in previous articles that you, you have uh, written. It seems that you were saying that Russia had, I think it was in January, had stopped supplying uh, Belarus with, with oil and Belarus was looking to Europe and the US for natural gas. So have they done a U-turn on that again? So are they moving back uh, to Russia in terms of energy? Well, that's not the first time Russia and Belarus, they have they had plenty of those disputes, energy disputes. Um, and But this time, I think this is the first time that Belarus started uh, importing energy from other countries. Um, and um, it, it was not a U-turn, it was just a threat to, to show the Kremlin that uh, Belarus has an alternative when it comes to energy. Um, but eventually they signed, signed an agreement, so obviously uh, it's not a real alternative, it's just a temporary solution. So uh, Belarus will start buying, will continue buying Russian oil and gas. We will see if uh, what, what will be the price if the Kremlin uh, will be, um, I, I don't think actually the Kremlin is willing to keep um, low cheap uh, gas and oil to Belarus, so the price will likely be increased, uh, at least gradually, and uh, that will also have a serious impact on Belarusian economy. So in any case, uh, whoever wins, be it Lukashenko or his rival uh, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, um, Russia will have that dispute with, uh, with Belarus. Let's talk about the uh, interference, so this talk of destabilization. We, we know that the U.S. is famous for its color revolution, regime change apparatus. Uh, of course, Russia <laughs> interferes as well, and so many countries you know, have, have stakes in the game. And so recently, 33 Russian mercenaries were apprehended in, in Belarus. Some say they were part of a destabilization plot. Uh, I think I've read that Lukashenko freed them and said they were legitimately on their way to Turkey, but I've also read that Lukashenko said that they had been sent to Belarus with de destabilization uh, in mind. The, there is also this idea that it is some type of a false flag operation by Lukashenko to gain uh, victory points because he's, you know, it's always good to use the external boogeyman um, enemy. So in terms of destabilization, regime change uh, in Belarus uh, between Russia uh, and the U.S. What do you see going on there? Yeah, in the past, uh, Lukashenko blamed the West of trying to destabilize the country and implement uh, actually a uh, force regime change. Uh, this time he's accusing Russia, although today he accused, uh, not directly, of course, he just said that there was uh, one of those mercenaries apparently had the U.S. citizenship, U.S. passport. Uh, so um, he's playing a game, he's trying to blame everyone, uh, both Russia and uh, the West, of trying to destabilize the country. So um, it, it's, it's a good strategy if he wants to um, mobilize his voters to, to portray himself as someone who's trying to protect the country against uh, the invasion, be it from the West or from Russia. I think Russia and the US are actually, they're not enemies, they're partners. Uh, now, the problem for Russia is that it is a younger partner since it's lost a Cold War, and um, they often make deals, and it is quite possible that they, all, they already made a deal regarding Belarus. Now, we will see uh, what that deal means and uh, what will be the consequence for the people of Belarus um, if, if the final goal was to overthrow Lukashenko, then uh, I don't know that, I'm just speculating. So if that was the case, then uh, they will probably um, try to um, to divide the country um, by uh, setting up uh, their own 
zones of influence within Belarus. So Russia could uh, control energy, the US or the West could control uh, industry or whatever. Um, we will see, as I said, I'm just speculating, but um, I think they certainly have a deal and um, everything that's happening in Belarus is, is not happening by, by accident. There must be a plan and uh, we will see um, what, what the plan is. It is still too early to, to say that, but in any case, um, the show in Belarus is about to start um, already on Sunday or the day after. And so we've talked about Russia uh, and the U.S., but there's also China and some of your recent articles you've mentioned, China moving in on Belarus. China deems Belarus the gateway to Europe, you know, as part of its Belt and Road. How do you see the China dynamic? I think China has a limited influence in Belarus. Um, it built the industrial park near, near Minsk and it provided some loans to Belarus, but um, it, is, it is not China. Belarus is not China's sphere of influence simply because China is too far from, from Belarus. Um, and uh, it, it is, um, as, as you said, geography here is a very important uh, factor. So Belarus is still in Russia's geopolitical orbit. And now it's the question here is if, if Russia will simply let Belarus go or if it will keep Belarus as a client state, um, but will uh, create new conditions. So if if Russia decides to just to let Belarus go, then um, it, it will have another Ukraine on Russia's borders. If not, then uh, I, I still don't don't believe that Russia will uh, send its troops troops to Belarus to invade the country or to, or to annex Belarus. That's not going to happen. Uh, many analysts uh, believe that uh, Russian troops are ready and waiting for chaos to start in Belarus so that they could move in and uh, annex Belarus. I don't think that will happen. I mean, why would they do that? What's the point? Belarus does not have any natural resources, does not have any coal reserves or oil or gas. So it, it's not like in, in the Donbass where Russia, um, well, let's say provided the assistance to, uh, to local rebels. And um, now Russia de facto controls the coal mines in the Donbass. But in Crimea also Russia controls um, there are apparently um, gas reserves in Crimea, but Belarus does not have anything similar. So it, it's not that interesting uh, for Russia. It isn't, uh, Russia, I think, wants Belarus as a transit country for, for gas to Europe. And the West, on the other hand, uh, would like Belarus to um, liberalize its economy and to allow, um, to allow Western corporations to, um, to buy some successful Belarusians enterprises and Russian oligarchs want the same, obviously. Uh, and China is interested in cooperation with Belarus. Um, and But as I said, it's not Chinese zone of influence. It has a very limited influence in the country. Uh, so I don't see a Chinese presence in Belarus as, as the most important player. I don't see China as the most important player in, in Belarus, unfortunately. Uh, there are many other countries that, that are involved. Poland, for example, is um, a regional power, it's, it's becoming a regional power. And in the post-Lukashenko-Belarus, Pol Poland is expected to have a very uh, important place and important to play a very important role in Belarus. Uh, just like um, it, it, it has certain influence in Ukraine, although not, not, not that strong, but in Belarus, it will definitely um, be involved in the, in the post-Lukashenko-Belarus, be it now or in five years or whenever, but um, we should pay attention to Poland. I think that's a good uh, 
summary of the situation that, that you just gave. Are there any other points you'd like to get across or final thoughts to leave us with on the future of Belarus uh, and the new Cold War? So if there is a new Cold War, it's a new Cold War between um, China and the U.S., not between Russia and the U.S. So I think Russia will try to stay neutral. Um, in Belarus, so as I said, I, I expect mass protests, and then we will see if Lukashenko is determined to fight until the end, as he said, or if he will eventually give up and um, maybe leave the country. Um, now, I'm not sure if he's welcome in Russia, uh, because he, he managed to spoil the relations between Belarus and uh, Russia. At this point, it looks like he has just one option to fight until the end. And um, many people in Belarus are not satisfied with the current situation, but I, I still think that he's supported by the majority of the population because he he's certainly supported by rural population and uh, the elderly citizens um, and um, also by many other people who work in uh, state-owned companies. Uh, young people, on the other hand, uh, want changes whatever that means. So it, it will be a very interesting time. And uh, in case of uh, some riots, we will see uh, if the security apparatus, how will it react. Um, in any case, I don't think Russia will get involved militarily. We discussed the Wagner mercenaries. So now there are speculations that uh, they were sent there to start shooting, like in Maidan in, in Kiev in 2013 and 14. Um, uh, if, if that was the plan, um, then it was it was very similar to, to the one that we had in Ukraine. So in that case, there would be um, mass riots because people would feel um, that they are uh, in danger because um, the regime is trying to kill them all and so on. So um, maybe that was the plan by Russia, maybe not. We don't know. Lukashenko is blaming anyone, everyone, basically, both Russia and the West. Um, and uh, we'll just see what will happen after the election. Uh, but I think the future for Belarus will be um, very dark, um, whoever wins. It was good to have you on uh, for the first time to give us a, uh, this take on, on Belarus, something we haven't talked about on the podcast. Where can people find you and your work uh, online? Where's the best place to, to see your writing? Well, they can, they can find me on Twitter and they can find my writing basically in publications such as Violent Times, Sarism. Um, sometimes I write for Chinese media. On Twitter, I would suggest... Okay, yeah, I would suggest people uh, bookmark you on Twitter. Uh, I have, I find Twitter uh, useful. It would be a shame if my Twitter account is is deleted because it's a, it's a great uh, resource. Uh, and yes, you also write at Geopolitical Monitor, the CGTN, Common Dreams, American Conservative, as you mentioned, Sarism, and, and many publications. So thank you, Nicola, for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast and interview. I would like to remind you that our website is geopoliticsandempire.com and you can sign up for our mailing list that goes out each weekend with the latest podcast and a long collection of important news headlines. It's good to sign up for the newsletter in case we experience censorship and deplatforming. You can help the Geopolitics and Empire podcast by subscribing to and interacting with all of our channels such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Minds, and Steemit. You can also help us by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Spreaker, and so on. 
Finally, if you value our work and our mission and would like to see us continue interviewing experts from across the political spectrum, please consider leaving a one-time donation via PayPal or Bitcoin or becoming a regular monthly supporter on our Patreon. All the links can be found on geopoliticsandempire.com. Thanks for listening.